Welcome to the 17th episode of the Animal Riot Podcast, brought to you by Animal Riot Press, a literary press for books that matter. It's your producer, Katie, here, and this episode has been edited to reflect our new name. If you're new to the Animal Riot community, welcome, and you can find out more about us at AnimalRiotPress.com. Now on to the episode with your host, Brian Birnbaum, and today's guest, Jennifer Baker. I'm your host, Brian Birnbaum. We're here today with Jennifer Baker, who is quite a lot of things, looting but not limited to the podcast host of Minorities in Publishing, the recipient of the 2017 Niska NIFA Artist Fellowship, and a 2017 Queens Council on the Arts New Work Grant. These are all very, these are all a mouthful. <laughs> An editor of the Anthology of Everyday People, The Color of Life, a contributing editor at Electric Literature, and of course, a widely published writer of fiction and nonfiction. And I recently got a chance to hear her contribution to a panel at AWP on how to make money as a writer, which I found both enlightening and slightly depressing, because that is very difficult. Great. Great. That was, yeah, that was a lot. This episode's brand of fuckery is brought to you by the continuing crapulence brought upon us all by AWP. I think we can all agree on that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think feel. I'm on a better trajectory. <laughs> you're, you're already feeling good. Well, I was in Boston, so I was like, got to get it together. So, mm. Yeah. That'll do it. And yeah. well, I, I should also yeah. say our, our producers are on today. Yeah, Katie I was about Rainey. to say, I'm here. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Katie. I have a mic this time. Normally, uh-huh. I'm just signing at Brian. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Over, yeah, over <laughs> guests. <laughs> Actual ASL. <laughs> <laughs> for the record. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to say anything else? Add, add to what I... No. No? You're good? Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot. I mean, and but the thing is, if you go to your website, there's a lot more. So, you know, I kind of what's, to... what's your website? Let's go ahead and plug that yeah let's do that jennifer n for my middle name nicole baker.com so jennifer n baker.com because jennifer baker was taken mm. oh. and so that's fine so was brian burnbaum yep he's brian s burnbaum.com yeah there you go <laughs> gotta, you see we got a brand how we this, brand yeah it's yeah and you can on your website you can go directly to minorities and publishing through the website too yes right? mm-hmm. yeah. yes which is an excellent podcast thank you one yeah. of the many lit podcasts I've been writing about. So and your website's awesome. Oh, thank you. It's very you. well made. My uh, Square, Squarespace site. You know, yeah, redesigned. Pales. Bonnie Chan did that for me because I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a tax write-off, like I was saying. Oh, <laughs> nice. No, that's not, yeah, very see, nice. now we, we got to get into that because you know how to how writers need to manage their money mm-hmm. or Attempt essentially to. attempt to How very apropos just all around because katie and i just did our taxes i'm sorry yeah it was, it was <laughs> that <rough>. too I, <laughs> brian threw a temper tantrum before i did this. a few times a few times i don't I, blame you they're horrible and yeah. for this administration it's horrible to have yes to do taxes. and there there was a point where i owed thirty three hundred dollars and i was like okay something's wrong we had to go we had to backtrack but anyway it's neither here nor there that got resolved yeah, yeah it got did. resolved okay good he yeah, did not end fine. up owing thirty three hundred yeah, yeah i hope they're paying you yeah. yes they yes. are that's how it ended good. up they are as yeah. it should be they should yeah. be yes right right <laughs> yeah because i as you discussed on the panel we we Every, all, all of us in here are exper- experiencing uh, credit card debt. It's, yeah, you know, it's, it's a tough world out there. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So let's start with something that we said we were going to talk about. Katie, you'd look, it looks like you have something no, to no, say. No, go ahead. Okay. 
Yeah, I want to start with your podcast. You know, the mission, how it came about, all that mm-hmm. good stuff, and uh, and whether it does relate if one spawned from the other uh, with uh, we need diverse books. Okay. One chicks. One yes. Uh, yeah. Listen. Yes. Can is you the hear, answer I'm to nodding. all of that? Can you, can you hear the wind blowing? Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah, just tell us what your podcast is about, and then we'll go from there. I mean, it's pretty good branding. It's called Minorities in Publishing. And essentially, the partner, the podcast partner I had at the time, Bev, who you can hear on the first probably dozen or so episodes, we had, we both worked in publishing for a while. This will be my 16th year in publishing. Mm. Just in publishing, full time job. I had all that since 2013 fall. Wait. I got, mm. I'm not going to lie, you just dated yourself in a way that I did not expect. What? 16 years ago, I was not an adult, and I thought you were about my age. That's the way it looks. Oh, lie. I appreciate that, because someone <laughs> asked me to be on a panel of women over 40, and I was like, I'm not over 40. Why did you assume that? <laughs> <laughs> wow, opposite reaction. There you go. <laughs> I was like, cool, cool. <laughs> it was like, this is not cool at all. What did, you, what did you say, and how did that email response go? <laughs> it was in the DMs, thankfully. And so oh, was how like, weird. Yeah, I don't no, it's not the most fucked it. up thing you'll get in the DMs. Exactly. That's yeah, the thing, it wasn't. You know? It wasn't. It was just, I was like, I don't appreciate that you assumed it because there's nothing wrong with being 40. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I don't want you to just say, hey, I'm having this panel with people who are several years older than you. And you should be part of it because <laughs> I assumed you were older than you are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not. But that's fine. And it, <laughs> it was like, not fine. But I was polite. In sum, I was polite. Fair Good. enough. Good. It's the most I can do. <laughs> Honest mistake. So, yeah, I've been in publishing since 2003 because I graduated college at City College, not too far from where we are, in spring of 2003. And then I was very, very lucky to be able to get a job several months after I graduated, which is can be unheard of yeah. for mm-hmm. people nowadays, yeah. like getting a job right after. It was a crappy paying job, but it was a job. What, yeah. was, what was it in? I was an editorial assistant uh-huh. at uh, one of the academic presses at St. Martin's Ooh. Press. So I worked near the Flatiron, but not in the Flatiron. So I worked in the like Madison Square area. And we all made like $27,000, $28,000. Big money. I mean, I was engaged at the time and living with my fiance, so it was mm. fine. But, mm. And all my coworkers had roommates or lived in Jersey City. So it was very, we all came in and none of them, I think maybe one of them is still in publishing. So all that said, by the time that's 2014, we've been in the, de- it'd been a decade that mm-hmm. I've been in publishing. And We Need Diverse Books did start that time. It started in May and the podcast went official in August of 2014. Oh, so they were, they were the same year. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, they both occurred the same year. And my podcast partner at the time just said, you know what we're not talking about? The people in the industry, the people like us uh-huh. who are actually working in it. We're talking about we need diverse books, which is important, but that's outward facing, right? You're but also the gatekeepers the themselves. Exactly. Right, Who's right, right. working in the industry because uh-huh. it's cyclical uh-huh. to just say, oh, we need more people of color or more, mm-hmm. you know, Mark. Because how much more likely is it to get a book from a person of color if you have more people of color in there? Exactly. In the, right, right. And how are they going to be steered? Who's going to be marketing them? Who's buying them? Who's distributing them? Who's doing every facet of the industry? Where are we? as Mm -hmm. women of color, and my uh, podcast partner is a queer woman of color. 
And so we just said, let's have conversations with other people in the industry so that people know we exist. Because mm -hmm. I think we, she's like, I don't think people think we exist. And that's really where it started from. It was really an inception of, it kind of was inspired. It definitely was inspired by uh, We Need Diverse Books. And I had worked with them for about three years at the time, from around the time they had begun. But me and my partner at the time, we really, really wanted to look at the internal aspects of the industry mm. and kind of shed light on it because it seems very mystifying to people. Even though for us it isn't because we work in it or I, you know, I've subscribed to Writer's Digest and mm -hmm. Poets and Writers. And so, but there's so many aspects that aren't talked about at all, mm -hmm. let alone in a magazine. Mm. So that's really where it came from. And of course, you know, when you start, you're kind of like, who's going to be on the podcast? So we just had our friends <laughs> for the first that's how, that's four how episodes. <laughs> and then yeah. you get some street cred and then uh -huh. you're like, hey, da-da-da-da-da, uh -huh. VP yeah. of this, will you be on my podcast? Uh -huh. So that people uh -huh. can see, because what I found, and maybe you found this too, people are very kind of apprehensive. Oh, when yeah. they don't know, like, how is this going to go? I don't know. I and it's really gone two ways. I mean, even people that I've suggested to Katie, like, one, uh, we had Dave Wiswell on, and, mm -hmm. like, you know, he was great. And, mm -hmm. like, at first, Katie was like, oh, I'm not sure, like, you know, when he reached out to us. And then she met him. She was like, oh, yeah, he's cool. Yeah, like, you, you, know? you don't know. Yeah, yeah. You don't know. Oh, so. But in terms of people coming on the podcast, people have been really apprehensive at first. They're like, well, what do I have to talk about? Or what yeah. do exactly. I know? And it's like, are you kidding? Kind of like exactly. a, yeah, self, more of a self-esteem issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Or they're really, what was really weird was when the people said, yes, I'll be on the podcast and then would ghost. And that hasn't happened a lot. That happened yeah. like four or five times over almost five years. But it was just really weird to get some people say yes and then just mm -hmm. ghost. And then I would see them at a party and then it's awkward yeah. now because I, I got to uh, be yeah. nice. I'm not mad, but I'm yeah. just kind of like, why? And then yeah. you're kind of like, is she pissed? And I'm like, eh, As someone scared. who is like a very... <laughs> Like I used to have a very big phobia of like public speaking and stuff. Oh, I can kind of understand it, but yeah, okay. like that that is a bummer. You yeah, know, the, I mean, I, just say no. Yeah, or or you know? like or if yeah. you know, at some point, it's just like, oh hey, like you know what? Honestly, I am scared as shit. Like you know, yeah. just be honest. It's fine. Like I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not gonna say, oh, you shouldn't be. Like you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this will be edited and mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but it was very interesting. A couple people did say, I just want to tell you, I I hate my voice. And that's why I never replied to you and da da da. But some people who's just really weird and I think I don't know, I, I'm not gonna kinda pull stuff out of the you know, and it, it was just weird. It was just very weird. Is this when you were so are you at Electric Lit at this point? Are you No, I've been at Electric Lit for almost two years. And okay. the podcast will be five. So really, uh, I joined Electric Lit officially September two years ago. So right around the time Jess Zimmerman came in oh, yeah, as okay. the new editor-in-chief. Okay. I came in as well uh, on her heels. But the podcast has been around since 2014. Where were you at the time? What were you working on as your, you know, quote-unquote day job? Or... Uh, the one I'm still doing, a production editor okay, at cool. University Press, which okay. is what pays my rent. Yeah. 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 We, it uh, pays most of my, It pays all my bills. Yeah. Let's be yeah. real. We discussed, <laughs> we discussed it a little bit at AWP yeah. in front of hundreds of people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted to be honest to say, yeah, of you course. know, I, of course. I think of everybody. I don't know about Emily's situation because I know she runs Emily Books. I don't know what that is. But um, is that the one that's affiliated with Coffee House? I think so. Yeah. I yeah. think there's, is it poetry? No, she no. does okay. prose. She might do some poetry, but I, I just I got to look into this. Coffee House is like my favorite press. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a subsidiary. Okay, or cool. imprint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So maybe she and I are the only ones with like basically full-time jobs that were on that panel. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
yeah since Dennis had recently quit theirs mm-hmm. and Michelle's a full-time student and Marissa had said her job is basically the rumpus and it's unpaid. So, and yeah. it's unpaid. Yeah, How? she vocally said that. She's like, she has, she works where 80 hours unpaid mm-hmm. for the past two Whoa. years. Yeah. Yep. 80 hours unpaid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's not lie. We're doing a lot of unpaid hours. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can understand real. when you really love something, you love it, you know? Yeah. How many episodes of Minorities in Publishing have you done now? That are live, 85, with several more that I have to edit, and that's been, uh, because it's unpaid, Mm -hmm. and so it has gone by the wayside, and that's sad, because it's my project, and I really do love it when I sit down and edit it, Mm -hmm. but then it's, I gotta edit this, Mm -hmm. and I have to do my taxes, I have to edit (laughs) this, and I have to read these essays for electrical, I have to edit this, and I have to do this. So I feel consistently behind, and unfortunately, the unpaid thing that I love gets you know, the shaft in a well way. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking at the five-year mark, I have to figure out whether it's going to continue or whether I have to readjust what it is, meaning it mm-hmm. hasn't been a bi-weekly podcast in months. Is that what it's meant to be? It was meant to be, and it was for a good four years. Good, wow. Good effort. Yeah, that's, that's, that is quite impressive. That's yeah. pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. Um, so I have to figure out what's And going I remember on. at AWP you talking about, uh, you, you did mention that you don't want to monetize it, right? That was, you were pretty strong. I don't have the time to monetize it, but also I feel when we, Bev and I had started it, we really didn't see this as of interest outside of our industry, which mm-hmm. makes it harder, right? Because this is a niche. True. Mm-hmm. Um, who wants uh, so it would really have to remain within the industry and then kind of be partnered up with somebody else mm-hmm. the way you know fiction nonfiction is part of yeah, Hub yeah. And the way that all these entities are kind of doing their own podcast now like mm-hmm. a lot of literary magazines or digital sites are now doing their own podcast mm-hmm. book riot and they sell ads mm-hmm. you know they actually take breaks for commercial and says hey this episode is brought to you by penguin mm-hmm. random house mm-hmm. by XXX, blah, 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 blah. and then they repeat it like 50 times <laughs> yeah. and i'm just like, yeah and i don't want to do that <laughs> uh-huh. i understand why they do that i don't want to do that and i'm a little bit of a control freak but yeah so I, it's just a matter of what what way can i kind of put it in good hands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that i trust that it'll still be open to people because i take self-published people i really like talking to industry people and i feel as though if i partnered with an entity it would become a publishing specific thing that is really feeding into whoever's paying the most money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah. if i get money from penguin random house i have to always talk about penguin random house yeah. authors. if yeah. i get money from mcmillan i always have to talk about mcmillan authors and that's my concern is mm. that i mean well-read black girl is you know was dealing with the same thing was that if publishers give her money mm-hmm. what does that mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what do they expect from that so that's why you know you see all these also, the video channels like Epic Reads for Harper Teen, they only do Harp, you know, Harper mm-hmm. stuff because they want to create social media buzz sure. within their own industry rather than put it outside and make it kind of like a community-based But thing. honestly, I feel like if presses were, especially like indie presses, if you're like trying to... I feel, I, like that just feels so siloed and like a dead end to me that like mm-hmm. you could create so many more avenues for listeners if you were just more inclusive of all different like publishers and authors on there rather than just plug in your own stuff yeah it's kind of a i think yeah i see it as a symptom of like the big five's overarching problem and potentially even amazon because i don't discriminate 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I no, would talk yeah. to Amazon authors too. So mm-hmm. Amazon has like a crap load of money. Or, or little A. Self-published or, or, you know, from the imprints. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They have a crap load of money. Uh-huh. So if it became a monetary thing, there's that kind of expectation. It just it doesn't feel great. So, yeah. yeah. It's kind of, and, yeah. and honestly, from what, I, you know, I won't say anything like too much because I don't know too much, but mm-hmm. it, from what it seems like with little A at least, it's like, it doesn't seem like, it seems like they're following in the footsteps of the big five in terms of like not really supporting their authors as much as I think they should. Mm-hmm. I might be completely speaking out of turn. I don't know. But like, I've heard various things from friends who have been published with Little A because they, Vivian Lee is with Little A and she's amazing. Oh, I mm-hmm. didn't know she, she is. Was. Yeah, Vivian Lee. And Vivian Lee is such a champion. She's a wonderful editor. Mm-hmm. She goes specifically for, you know, marginalized artists and has published a few, get like James Han Matson is a Vivian Lee author and he was great to talk to. And so I think, you know, it's hard when you're part of a machine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's what Where I'm saying. Like, like the like like the feeding feeding publicity and like putting money yeah. behind the books and stuff like yeah. that, you know? And that's Which so is like the, separate from her job. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that's what so, I'm saying. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. It's like yeah. you can, you know, as an editor, you can be behind a book so much. Like you pick it up, you're like, you know, trumping mm-hmm. it up so much. But really, like, we really want to say if we're picking up your book, we're going to put our weight behind it. You know, we're not yes. we're not going to waste your entire like this x number of years that you've worked on this thing yeah. you know what i mean yeah. so yeah. regarding the podcast do you have any like favorite favorite episodes oh, yeah, i was or, thinking of it yeah or or, or like like the- themes episodes guests like any yeah. any of that like you know if somebody was just li- tuning in for the first time what episode should they listen to <laughs> a lot of times i tell people to listen to the marketing episode which aired last year which Ooh. last fall yeah last spring last spring and it was funny enough it was with bianca salvant who did the marketing on my anthology everyday people and she was so wonderful i love bianca and she's at a big five and then i had jaleesa corey who's at an indie mm-hmm. lee and low and they're both in marketing and i said i wanted to pair them both up as women of color to talk about what are your experiences in marketing mm-hmm. and what do you talk about and it was they were literally yin and yang like Bianca went to an HBCU uh-huh. and Jalissa's like, I went upstate to an all white college. Like Ithaca. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, like Jalissa had come into publishing after doing internships in apparel and Bianca had always wanted to be in publishing. And, you know, Bianca had so many books that she was working with at a big five where Jalissa's was like what made way tighter and they had a very small group and they can focus on every group. So it was very interesting, the juxtaposition of their conversation as they agreed on a lot of points and then their experiences were just so different. And they were both very honest Mm. about this is what marketing is and this is what can happen and this is where you can get lost Mm. and this is... You know, our job is with sales. And if sales doesn't like your book, there's nothing we can do about that. And did they agree on those those Absolutely. subjects? Absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. And they had just very different experiences being yeah. with two different kind of... So it worked out, that pairing of me just saying, I was going to have them both on separately. Mm-hmm. And then I said, can we get together yeah, that, and talk about this? That was this? a good move, right? Yeah. yeah. So sometimes that works. Like the uh, debut episode with Leland Chuck, who ha- does 713. Yeah, yeah. He, was on, your, he was on your first episode? No, he was in the first year. Oh, okay. Uh, he was okay. in the first year. Yeah. With Mira Jacob, him, and uh, Sophia, and I forget Sophia's name. So I wanted to have a debut episode, so I had a self-published author in indie, which was Leland, and someone with the big five, which was Mira Jacob. I see. I and see. so I talked to them each for like 20 minutes to half an hour and then edited that down and compiled that into an episode where you can hear each's 
person's journey just so you can get so like kind of when i am able to do these kind of combo episodes where Mm. you can get multiple perspectives that works even better i mean not to say the single person one doesn't but i think those two really speak to showcasing the aim of the podcast which is this is how the industry works Mm -hmm. and these are different perspectives that you need to know about Mm. rather than oh i'm just hearing from the big five you need to hear from everybody and to know that a big five person can have a bad experience or a great experience right Mm -hmm. right just as much as a person with the indie Mm -hmm. can have an amazing experience or a not great experience Uh and so those combo episodes are fun but they take longer to edit oh my god (laughs) And then getting everyone together, and then mm-hmm. the sound quality is different because one person's on the phone, one person was in person, one mm-hmm. person was on Skype. So you'll notice the sound quality for that. The debut episode is very, very different. <laughs> yeah. Very, very different. Yeah, same, same <laughs> with ours. Yeah, yeah, we have like yeah. people calling in, and, and yeah, it's just it's like fun. the sound quality is terrible. And this but, is uh, like, do you have birds? Do we hear birds? Is that <laughs> what we're hearing? <laughs> we <laughs> might, we might hear. Well, occasionally, we hear a Rosetta. Yeah. Yeah. Rosetta might speak. He's chill. Is there like a moment or like a like an email or something like a favorite something of yours that like indicates like we did this episode, we were working on this and mm-hmm. like you can see how it's manifesting in like maybe your audience or the people you work with mm-hmm. as related to the podcast or even, you know, mm-hmm. the We Need Diverse Books initiative, like mm-hmm. anything like that. Is there like a, so you know, because I guess a, a good like analogy is like, you know, we're all writers. Yeah. We sit in a room alone and we write mm-hmm. and we have, and it has zero impact on anyone. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> you know, moment. finally, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, you know, it does get out into the yeah. world. And then when it does, like, mm-hmm. you know, you might get like a, an email from someone, you know, Oh my God, like I love mm-hmm, this part mm-hmm. or something. Is there something like that with your, with your podcast where you're like, okay, this is like, I can see people are listening. They're like, Oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm better understanding the industry or whatever. Yeah. The Twitter is the best way for me to actually gauge that. And also the influx of requests that I've had over the past two years from publicists and authors. Mm. Uh, so when the podcast first started, we, it was all me asking. Yeah, you know, there were pe- there weren't really people asking me to be on it. And then it became, can I be on it? I really want to be on your podcast. And you're like, wait, what? Why would you want to? Seriously? Mm. So that's been really great because it's been seen for public publicists specifically as a route for their authors to get visibility Mm -hmm. but also it's really really gratifying i was at awp as we were we all Mm -hmm. which were we established we're still recovering from (laughs) yeah you've already been (laughs) we'll see like watch next week i'll get the awp plague that happens every year Knockwood, please. Oh, God, yeah. What, is there a plague coming? <laughs> I, assume, I assume it's just like the 12,000 people being in the same convention center. Basically, like hugging, past, yeah. shaking hands. Yeah. Drinking, sh- Yeah, whatever. sharing, not getting sleep, yeah. all that stuff. And I saw one of my guests, SJ Sindhu, who I had been on with recently. She was on last year. And she said, can I just tell you that yours was the best interview I've done because you were the most considerate person to interview me and you didn't make me feel like I had to explain anything and you just were you listened to what I had to say and it was just a good banter of conversation and that meant a lot to me because it meant she felt safe yeah Mm -hmm. as a queer woman of color she felt safe Mm. in this space that I had created and we had so many hiccups like the fire alarm at my job went the google hangouts wasn't working so literally I was on the phone with her for 20 minutes those are a lot of reasons not to feel safe. Or <laughs> the fire alarm not to go off so we can actually continue the interview. 
And that just meant that was really huge. And to yeah. hear that also from like Jenny Zhang to say like you were one of my favorite interviews oh, that's awesome. because you know, I wasn't pigeonholing them. I was just like, so what? Ha- so how are you feeling about this? And do you experience mm-hmm. this? And mm-hmm. So coming at them from a place of like, I actually want to talk about your book and your craft, but I want to talk about you as a person and not just talk about you being Asian or you writing about trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, I wasn't trying to pigeonhole them. So from the um, interviewer perspective, it just made me feel really, really good to know that I'm doing something that makes them feel you know, gratified. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from those who reach out, just seeing the statistics and seeing, oh, people really gravitated to the marketing episode or people really mm-hmm. like James Ha Matson. And then seeing James Ha Matson and saying, you know, I've never gotten tagged that much on Twitter from an interview. And I said, seriously? And it's probably not, it's not hundreds, you know, again, yeah. it's a niche market. But the mm. fact that he's seeing and people are saying, I'm getting this book now or something like that. And then they purposely tag him yeah. or, you know. Hmm. And that just means a lot. It just means it means something, you know. It means the re- the listenership is there. And well, eighty five episodes. Good. I mean, that's 85. quite an accomplishment. We'll Com- definitely get to a hundred. If anything, we will get to a hundred. And I then like you'll reassess. <laughs> I'll reassess after a hundred. <laughs> Would you pass it on to somebody worthy, or maybe I don't know. I don't know, or just let it stand. I yeah. Don't know. We'll see. Or I, maybe I'll do seasons. I mean, it maybe stands as a valuable it. tool and resource as it, you know, on yeah. its own. Like, yeah. that, and it's not like dated. I mean, it's very, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't just take all the episodes down or anything yeah. like that. I think there's value in them being up. But mm-hmm. maybe I'll do seasons. So maybe I'll do it for six months a year, mm-hmm. and then those six months are like the only time rather than year round. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Like podcasts are boring. <laughs> she, yeah. Like, yeah. She's a princess. Well, when we had the Amazon book club guys on here, she wouldn't stop barking. So oh, really? Yeah. Because tall men are just not not her thing. Uh, not copacetic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Rosetta. Against <laughs> the patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah, she knows, exactly. she knows best. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, how about uh, electric literature? Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? What because that is kind of like... That's not in my control. <laughs> I, I do kind of see electric literature as kind of like like a new age mecca of like publishing, even though it's not like a, you know, one of the houses, like mm-hmm. quote unquote, you know what I mean? But like everyone knows about it. Mm-hmm. Like those, es- like, you know, those catapult or like electric lit essays or like stuff like that. Like, you know, yeah. everyone sees those, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And catapult is part- technically. I mean, we have a, the same publisher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So what... What's your experience been like there? And are there things, are there pros and cons you want to talk about, like related mm-hmm. back to your podcast and the work you're doing there and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's so separate because I'm not in the office. Because Electric Literature actually does have an office. Oh, really? Yeah, they have an office oh, in That Brooklyn. doesn't surprise me. Because Cat- yeah. Yeah, Catapult has their own office they, too, right? Yeah, they yeah. have their own office in uh, near the Flatiron. Yeah. So Electric Lit and Catapult used to be in the same building, and then Electric Lit needed to separate because Catapult was expanding. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, Electric you know, Lit you know, you're it, you know making it when you got your own like Cards of Humanity 
sort of game. Going yeah, on. y'all guys, have we, invested. We did, Thank yeah, you. Paper, we do. paper cuts. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I and saw. Speak, oh, I saw that, and I was like, okay, I, I'm. I have to spend twenty dollars yeah. for this <laughs> paper cut. And speak. No, and and it's very topical because one of the cards in there is white women in publishing. <laughs> <laughs> and the first time I saw that, I was like, yeah, I guess this is good. This is good. Do they have a To Kill a Mockingbird one? It's yes. Like, yes. What's his face? Oh. But racist. It, or something. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking oh, about. I, but I think. But doesn't it say? I think it says. Something Something like Atticus, but not racist. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a big moneymaker for us. Really? Yeah. I'm the, I don't yeah. mean in terms of oh, we are now rich. I mean, yes, <laughs> and it, they it, sold out yeah. at continues. AWP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, everyone. That's cool. Yeah, we were kind of surprised by that because we had the read more women totes, and that went like gangbusters last year uh, at yeah. AWP. Uh. So we assumed totes, totes are the thing, right? Mm-hmm. But, ooh, People want their entertainment. Come on. You know? But yeah, but apparently paper dot paper uh, darts was the thing. So yeah. there you go, there you go. So my experience has been great because I, I really think Jess is was a great addition to, especially it's, and you've probably noticed this. It's changed. It's done mm-hmm. a complete one eighty in terms of the content, mm-hmm. and it's not to say that the content itself is has gone from essays to something else. Mm-hmm. It's if you notice who's contributing, what the voices are, what the mm-hmm. topics are. It's definitely way more conscious of being representative. It's definitely more female centered, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And and Jess is a hardcore feminist, and Halima's a feminist too. And I think them combined really had a vision. Especially Jess had a vision, and she's just like, I want to publish as many women as possible, mm-hmm. and also conscious of the fact that she wanted to publish more women of color because we weren't represented. And I had mm-hmm. said that when I had met with Halima, I was like. Yeah, it's not very diverse. Was this early on? Yeah. Or or did you have to earn some some cred? (laughs) I mean, Halima knew about me from the podcast, which is just kind of, again, it kind of circles back to when we were, when you had asked at AWP, do I make money from the podcast? And I was like, nope. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I get, uh, I have gotten money through the podcast. So I don't get it directly from it. I get it through it because then it associates me as like kind of a, expert i'm using air quotes so you're talking about like the panels you do and stuff like that yeah Yeah. the discussion the level of discussion yeah because it makes it it's funny because then people think i know everybody and i keep saying i don't know everybody Mm -hmm. and then i I show a picture with me and jasmine ward and i'm like god damn it (laughs) no big deal that doesn't help (laughs) help at all but i mean from where i'm sitting from i i can understand where people might get that idea yeah they see you're all at all Uh these events you're talking to all these people you know everybody if i if i didn't have katie I would be to completely isolated from the world. I would just really? be in this room <laughs> working on my little stories by myself. <laughs> big stories. They're big stories. Big stories. Sure. <laughs> sure. My big boy stories. <laughs> Has what's been the most exciting thing at Electric Lit to come out recently that you're proud of or excited about? One of my most favorite acquisitions, one was Marcus Gonzalez, who I don't know if y'all know Marcus. He's no, not published really a few. He's published a few stories, but more so essays. Mm-hmm. He's a queer Latinx cis gay man. And well, that's double. I said queer already. <laughs> a cis man. And he was one of the first acquisitions I had. And his essay really did well on Electric Lit. And it was called we retitled it to when good writing means white writing. Mm. That was a very, very good essay. It's a little controversial to certain circles. That's the title, When Good Writing Means White Writing? Yes, because he was talking about, uh, 
being a PhD student and teaching students of color what good writing is uh-huh. and dealing with faculty who deemed good writing to be Ooh, white writing. I wish I writing. had read this already so we could talk about this right now. Yeah, it's a really, really good essay. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking it up for later. It's a very uh, yeah. good essay. And then one recently was by Alejandra Oliveira, which looked at Borders and Virginia Woolf. Oh. Yeah. Borders and Virginia. Yeah, Wolf. like the the issue of like how Trump is trying to close borders, and also Virginia Woolf because she brought in the theme of rivers. I, I saw beautiful. that. That was I think that's in one of my tabs that's open. Yeah, that's like a really two red tab, you know, yeah. two read tab. Huh. Yeah, it's a, it was such a beautiful, beautiful essay because you wouldn't think even in my description of it, it's kind of you know kind of like the marketing pitch of like yeah, it's an essay about that thematically weaves rivers by using borders and immigration Mm -hmm. and Virginia Woolf. And that's Uh just like the summary. But when you read it, it's so well done. And when you get essays like that, it's just like, holy crap. This is amazing. This is amazing. And again, they felt like they saw me right on Twitter because I'm always like, read the freaking thing before you submit to me. I hate rejecting people unnecessarily. Stop Mm -hmm. it. Uh By the way, email me. (laughs) jennifer at electriclick.com but that's yeah that's a a good point i was gonna ask like just because a lot of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast and a lot of what we're Mm -hmm. trying to do is get like build a community and so people Mm -hmm. that feel outside of the of the like quote unquote new york bubble of like publishing feel like how do i get involved like how many like are you are you trying to look for like any cold submissions from like women of color or people of color just like just so that like other people can feel involved because mm-hmm. i know a lot, a lot of these essays get published by reference and which is not a bad thing because like some of these mm-hmm. people are really great writers you know Absolutely. there's a reason that they're known you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um yeah i don't know just enlighten us for like what the mm-hmm. procedure is with with how you guys get submissions and decide what to publish well, different areas of Electric Lit are kind of headed by different people. So recommended reading, which is poetry and fiction, that's the the big person in charge is Halima. And then also Brandon Taylor works for that. And I believe Aaron also, Aaron Barnett also works for uh, recommended reading. And I think Kelly, Kelly moved over from Electric Literature to uh, recommended reading. So like the umbrella is Electric Literature, but then we have imprints or verticals. Mm-hmm. And so the recommended reading one is not done by me or Jess or Joe. Like there's some, we don't do that one. And then there's the commuter, which also is kind of tied to recommended reading because it's like flash fiction and stuff like that. And like they like graphic stuff too. So like graphic novels or, you know, snippets, comics, stuff Uh like that. And they're open every so often. They had a, short period that just opened the beginning of April. Electric Lit opens quarterly and we're nonfiction specific. And that's me, Jess, Joe Lou, and I believe Erin does some stuff for Electric Lit too. But I think the bulk of her stuff is there. And so for us it's different play but everyone sees us as electric lit, so they assume we're all just like this big we are mm-hmm. a happy family, but it's just like, yeah, no, I don't do that. I only mm-hmm. do nonfiction. But for me, as an editor, editors can take stuff anytime they want. Mm. So that's why I continually post about it on Twitter and on Facebook and say, send me stuff, send me stuff. Cause so I'll it's just a matter of it. when it would get put up. So like, Yeah, yeah. If I it's see. timely, obviously, I would try to work on it faster or send it to Jess to work on it faster. Mm-hmm. If I couldn't, 
I respond to everything. So Jess is getting pitches, but she's also looking at the submittable. Mm-hmm. And the submittable gets hundreds. And the recommended mm-hmm. reading gets even more. They mm-hmm. get like thousands because it's fiction. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's any type of fiction. I mean, they have a very kind of specific. They kind of like weird stuff. They like kind of experimental. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Uh-huh. But it's fiction. So it's so open. They get so many things. Whereas for Electric Lit, ours is really like, is it tied to books, media? You know, is it analysis? Is it a personal essay? Is it an interview? Is it a book list? Like ours is a bit more controlled. So I respond to everything I get, which is also what takes me a little bit more time. And I think people, I don't think people take advantage of it, but I think people get excited because I actually will tell people, I read the piece. If I feel like there's something I can edit, I edit it. Mm -hmm. But most time I actually read it and I will give you like very specific feedback on Mm. what's not working. I mean, if it it literally is just this makes no sense for our publication. It's yeah. just about my, no offense, Rosie, but you know, like it's just about my dog, yeah. and it has no tie to like media literature. Mm-hmm. That's an auto reject. But yeah. I will tell you, that's the reason I'm rejecting it. But if it's an essay that's been written, I will tell you, hey, you know, you're stuffing 18 things in here. You're contradicting yourself. Mm-hmm. The voice isn't right. It sounds more trady mag than lit mag mm. or something like that. So I try to give that um, consideration to writers. So, you know, you're not just getting a form rejection. Mm-hmm. You're getting concrete feedback on why this is not working for and, us. And they also know that they are actually being read, which I think is Absolutely. important. I mean, like that's we've, we've discussed that so much just for us and we don't have nearly the amount that you have to yeah how many submissions are you juggling i get dozens again because i don't go through the submittable Mm -hmm. and also my email for electric literature isn't all over the place Mm -hmm. the way jess's is um hers is on her twitter Mm -hmm. and Uh she's the editor-in-chief and she has a bigger following than me so obviously she would get a bit more Mm -hmm. but she goes through the submittable and so that's a trial in itself yeah and um I'm sure if I was in the office, they might ask me to do that, but I am not. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they know I have a full-time job. So I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it. But yeah. But do you really enjoy it? I do. Yeah. I do enjoy it. It's just, uh, you know, then I feel guilty when I can't get back to people fast enough. But at the same time, I just put out an office, an out of office that says, thank you for reaching me. I will get back to you in several mm-hmm. weeks, which makes me feel better because yeah. then they're getting some kind of reply uh-huh. that says i acknowledge you have sent me something uh-huh. whereas when people didn't they'd be like, yeah hey hey did you read it i sent uh-huh. it to you i sent it to you did you read it did uh-huh. you read it did you read it and you're just like oh my god <laughs> that's already it's there it I'm... started in my inbox i swear to god <laughs> you know that's a really funny thing that you bring up because like i have obviously been dealing with that for from the reading series mm-hmm. for the last five years because people get really anxious and it's like i, I mean when we first started that we were getting hundreds of submissions Mm -hmm. and we would try to read them monthly and it was just insane it was it was so much now we do them on a rolling basis and our inbox gets quite full but people get really angsty when you when you don't i should do that auto reply i've been guilty i've been guilty of that a lot being angsty and being like i have had to tell him so many times after how many (laughs) days though has it been after oh i'll i'll five days or no, five long, weeks. longer than that. Usually, when it's like at least like a, a few weeks. Okay. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I generally yeah. have to say to him like, these people are probably all doing this for free, 
and have huge jobs and, yeah. you know, are doing yeah. it cause they love it. But like, mm-hmm. they just are swamped. Like people, I mean, it's just people with huge lives. Like yeah. you have to give them time. One like, of my biggest mm-hmm. issues was, uh, not asking whether they'd read it. Like it was when people actually accepted something of mine and then I didn't hear from them again for like a few weeks after that. Uh, and then I'd be like, Oh my God, what's happening? And I'd go like freak I've out. been that person too. I was like, yeah, we want this. I'll give you edits. And then, and then it was three weeks later. It's that's like, happening here are the right edits. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I have something that's going to go up on lit hub and like, it's, Congrats. yeah, thanks. Yeah. And it's, it's the, it's the same thing. But now I like, now I'm like way like yeah. more relaxed about it. But like, I've gone, I've, I've gone through it, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. And, and, and I'm now I just know it's like, they're probably not going to get back to you when they said they would. And like, I, yeah. I understand it and like, yeah. I get it now. So I'm just, I'm, I feel better. <laughs> you know? I feel, I still feel guilty. Cause I say two weeks and I mean it yeah. when I say it. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> right. And then right. it's like, crap, I got sick or I was traveling or my full-time job got busy mm-hmm. and this past two months have just been horrible not horrible horrible it could have been way worse but it's mm-hmm. like my computer died at my full-time job yeah. so that takes me out of commission for two days and then my authors were difficult and then everything was everyone was sending me stuff late and then everyone wanted to get on the phone so these things that are kind of concentrated in my full-time job that if everything had gone as planned I would not be behind mm-hmm. theoretically in other areas mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yes, I am way behind on many people. And it's funny because I said, I'm at AWP. And then they said, I know you're at AWP. But. but and you're just like, oh, my God. I got so many of those emails. <laughs> <laughs> like, they acknowledge that you are not here. And then say, however, Can did you, you do that thing? Yeah. Well, the, yeah, <laughs> no, it's I an email that basically just goes, I'm, I'll be waiting. <laughs> I'm here. But they're real chill. They're really polite. Like, I, I you know. Hope you're doing well, and I totally understand if you just. I just want to make sure that you saw that email, and I just, I just never. I don't think I've been that person, and I think mm-hmm. I think it's because I've had the privilege of being in publishing, where you just like they'll get to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if they haven't gotten to you in a month, then you do yeah. something. If you, they haven't you gotten know. back to you yeah. six weeks, right. then you do something. Yeah. So well, you do right. so much for the community. Like you just do so much in general. I mean, with the podcast and everything, how's how's your own writing going? I know you write a ton. I see all your tweets. That's like <laughs> work in progress. So many some words makes me feel bad about myself. Oh, <laughs> don't feel bad. Join in. Join the fun. Well, I'm. I'm. Yeah. Right. Hashtag WIP. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag M writing when it's like yeah. no, you're on Twitter. That's what yeah. you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I know. I love it. I love it. Sometimes I do go on Twitter and I'm like, I really love this community, but like so many of the tweets are like, should I name, like, poll, should I name my character Kayla or Roger or, and I'm just like, I'm just like, oh man. A lot in the writing community. I think people just like want to tweet. Like they do, they do want yeah. interactions. I get it. Yeah, like yeah. your l- writing's lonely, and so like you're like, you know that what? Let me just sense. send out this tweet and get okay. people to respond. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. That's fair enough. Okay, okay, that's cool. Uh, mine is actually going very well because I figured out my practice. What's your practice? My practice is. As you probably saw the hashtag like 45 scenes, 45 days. That's oh, yeah. Like what that. is that? What, what are you so, that yeah, what I needed to do for myself was the issue at hand, it was continually that I was putting these kind of parameters on myself that wasn't realistic. Mm-hmm. So, do an hour a day. An hour a day doesn't sound like a lot of time, right? 
But if I did 20 minutes on the subway and then I got home late and then I was ready to go to bed and there's like, crap, I got to write for 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that, but I'm going to make myself write for 40 minutes. And that wasn't working. When it used to work. So the things change also, right? Your practice changes as your life changes. Definitely. And I'm way more busy than I was five years I ago. I actually think it's dangerous to like yeah. put yourself in a box and say, no, this is what I did before. I have to do this. Yeah. Now. It no, just I, says, I yeah. Like if you're a parent or yeah. anything, you like, right. God forbid you lose your job or yeah. your caretaker, anything. You move to a different state. You just never know. Or you just worked on something for a lot, like a really long time. And you just need a break or something like that. Yeah. You know? yeah. And anything. that's real. Yeah. And so for me, I realized I needed to just equate it to something that I can do and be okay with having done a little bit. So scenes. So I figured I would do a scene a day and do it for a finite amount of days, like 60 days, 90 days. Every day I had to write a scene and the scene could be super short. It could be she walked into the kitchen, saw that there was no food and left. I didn't write that. But, you know, that's an example. And that would be a scene. You know, that's a moment in a piece. Mm -hmm. And then I would just be done that would be it or i could sit and really have a be on a roll and write hundreds or thousands of words mm-hmm. that day and so i did that and once i did that it worked because i sat down i did it i could have done it for 15 minutes i could have done it for 45 minutes but i did it and then i was done mm. and i never had to do it again unless i wanted to that day mm. and that was just way more doable so it was if i got something done on the subway to work i didn't have to worry about doing it on the way home Mm. if i did it on the way home then i didn't have to worry about if i did it during my lunch break and again it could be any length and that really worked for me and what are what so you're doing that now what what's the project you're working on right now i've it i jump around because i work on so many things at the same time Mm -hmm. which is a good or bad thing i don't know but i'm a big believer in breaks too Mm. so i need to take breaks from things so if i've been working on a big novel I can't look at that after a month. Let me look at that essay. Ooh, sorry. Let me look at that essay that I drafted a mm-hmm. few right. weeks, yeah. years ago. Yeah. I did say the same thing. Work yeah. out. And so that's, I, you know, it's essays, it's short fiction, it's a novel. And so for this latest round, I did, so I did 90 and then I did 60 and then I did 45 and then I think I'll do 30 and then probably go back to 90 and do it. But then I take breaks after that, too. Mm -hmm. So after I did the 90, I took a month off. After I did the 60, I took a month off. After I did that, I took a month off and took, you know, and Mm. so on and so on. And so I think the big thing that it's been a novel, and I've actually, I'm almost done looking at the full draft of it and just... Gutting it. Yes. Yeah. It's been great. I look in the the print out, 300 pages. It's the best part. Do you have have a title? Forgive me not. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's Do looking you want at to talk incarceration. About, what's that? It's looking at incarceration. Inca- oh, yeah. ooh, we have had two episodes about that on this podcast. Already? Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, had, well, we you have. know, you know, Kate's yeah. my You should check them out. Yeah. Yeah. She was on. With um, Devin for the first one. With that was part Devin one. for the first one. Cause you know, she's the director of, of Pan America's prison writing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then the second episode we had Sergio de la Pava on. We're huge. Oh, we're yeah. huge Sergio 
fans here. Uh, you know, you knew Real we thing. couldn't we we couldn't go an episode. There's not one him. podcast it's like a, it's like episode joke. where we don't mention. It's him. like I'm basically yeah. No, I mean like I need a restraining order. It's, it's like a thing. Yeah, they're just the, I do I idolize them. Him and his wife Susanna are just like most amazing nice. people. Anyway, yeah. so we did we did two episodes on prison writing and prison reform and stuff. That oh was, yeah, it was, it was really yeah yeah. Fun, check those check those out. The, especially yeah. the one with Sergio. I mean the one with Devin's great, but like yeah. uh, but with Kate's and Sergio, I think might be. Like, oh, I love episode. Kate so much. Oh, yeah. She it's has, like, she has the best podcast voice I've ever heard. Because yeah. she, she's a poet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, but it's like, it's like silk chocolate. It's just like, ugh, yeah. it's, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's just yeah. great. <laughs> I've known Kate's for over a decade. Wow. Did you see her at AWP? I did at the pen booth. I judged the... Um, the writing for justice one last oh, year. Cool. Yeah, oh, cool! She was the leader for that. Oh. She was oh, okay. wonderful. Yeah, she's just a wonderful person. Yeah, so. she's great. She's great. So your novel is about you said mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. And that's as much as I'll say. Okay. Good. Fair enough. <laughs> Good. Fair enough. I respect it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I want to talk about indie presses now. Yes. Specific- let's talk about indie presses. Let's do that. Well, do you guys want to start with uh, like, like the responsibility that like indie presses have, or just presses in general for? I would I would really like to talk about that. Just okay, what, what, let's are, talk what, about it. what is you know we can. We what can are they, there. Brian? What, <laughs> What's our no, responsibility? I'm, 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 our our response, like in our, general, your mission. To, what is your mission? <laughs> God's work. We're doing God's work. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, I want to talk about what are the responsibilities. Uh, well, let let's do like indie presses, like for you know serving the mar- like marginalized communities. What mm-hmm. what do we have to do? What do we absolutely have to do what are things that we should be looking to do mm-hmm. what are people what are presses failing to do you know all that good stuff well what i experienced being with the big five press and this is not to say that they failed my book at all the mm-hmm. anthology and it's an all poc anthology for people who don't know which is kind of like very specific obviously mm-hmm. no i uh, i just uh ordered a an all all deaf anthology mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. recently so yeah those are yeah. really interesting they're very 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 specific mm-hmm. but also at the same time not so abstract as to not be able to serve the larger market mm-hmm. sure totally and yeah. so i think the issue is and bianca mentioned that on the marketing podcast i was talking about was the issue of being overwhelmed and so everything is a one fits all mm-hmm. and that's where indie presses have the strength Theoretically, <laughs> yeah. I use the word theoretically a lot because I to- we no, think I totally it, it should work and it doesn't because a you have smaller staff, smaller uh-huh. budget, and you have to do so much more mm-hmm. reach. Whereas a lot of these big five are owned. I mean, Simon and Schuster is owned by CBS. Yeah, yeah. People, a lot of people don't realize that. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know. Uh-huh. But it doesn't mean I'm gonna be on CBS. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like it doesn't guarantee anything, yeah. but. You're owned by such a large entity. You're in Midtown. You're they're right near Rock Center. Mm-hmm. That you know, it really kind of makes it hard to distill what a book is, mm-hmm. and that's due to budgeting, and that's due to belief systems, and that's mm-hmm. due to who's there. Whereas I think I work for a University Press, and we also have our issues, but with University Presses and Indies, there is that more hands-on quality, and hopefully being more strategic mm. because you're acquiring less. It's like, good. Well, it's actually really good to hear you say that because mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that Katie has been very adamant about. And like, it's been tough for me because what do you mean? Adamant about what? About being strategic, about looking for okay. mm-hmm. making sure we're looking for, you know, all, all, uh, women authors, writers, mm-hmm. like, you know, P- 
people of color, you know, stuff like that. And like, it can be tough because you get so many submissions and you want more of those. Yeah. You know? It's also taste level, right? I mean, yeah, just because you want more writers of color doesn't mean it, the you, ones you're getting are fit with your exactly, aesthetic at exactly. all. It can be difficult. That's, yeah. you know, and that's really the big yeah. issue is like, you know, especially for us, like we're looking for a third book mm-hmm. and it's like, we want to make sure that we're doing something different than our first two. You yes. know, we don't want to be like associated yeah. with just like white male writers. That's it. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. um, so, Lee Chuck yeah. said similarly, and like we mentioned at the top, he's doing 713. A lot of his authors have been white, mm-hmm. and he's Asian, and he's very pro-POC, but this is also, he acknowledged that this is what works for his aesthetic. He likes humor, he likes a certain mm-hmm. kind of voice, mm-hmm. and he's not getting that from POCs. And and this is what work. This is what's working. And it's not because he doesn't have access. It's mm-hmm. because of his own taste level, what he's published before, like you're saying, what not to publish again. So do you think people are having issues. POCs as well. Yeah. No. I mean, you know? and do you think there's like a, a way around that? Like, because I understand what he's saying, especially because, you know, he he has an aesthetic and like it's you know. It, it can be difficult. You know, you want to, mm-hmm. you, you read what you read and eat and, you know, let's say you have no name on the page. Mm-hmm. He's going to pick what he wants to pick. Right. Exactly. But how do you get around that? Like, what do you, what do you think there are any good strategies to make sure that you're mm-hmm. finding diversity without sacrificing your, your aesthetic or your, like your vision, you know? Yeah. I mean, he is a one man band. Yeah. Just like yeah. y'all's are very, a very small team. Yep. He's a one man band. He brought on Hasathinka Sirisena who is actually in my anthology. Oh, yeah. He brought her on as an editor. That's right. 713. Yeah. And, and is she the only, the only other one? She's the only other staff member. It's just, it's just them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just these two people, both people of color. Both she's unpaid. Getting, is she getting paid for this? No. I don't know. I just, awesome. I just said both unpaid. Both, oh, both unpaid. <laughs> Again, like everybody doing this stuff, everybody's unpaid. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would I, assume that Leland's probably not, you know. Yeah, make I mean, it's make, hard. I mean, you're putting that money there. in yeah, as exactly. the business owner. I mean, Brian's taken anything that we make from his book and yep. putting it back into the press for yep. future oh, authors. Wow. Despite being so. broke as shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, so the So the panel that you were on, I basically learned nothing, is, is essentially the take-home message there. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> learned to, to deduct it. your taxes and negotiate. That's true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna neg- I'm gonna negotiate a really high royalty and just put it back in anyways, you know, yeah. just just to say I did it. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll submit that panel for a Philly. Yeah, perfect. Like, well, are small, there small small industry? Right. Are there any today. indie presses you think are doing really well in this aspect? I do. Well, I do. I do want to first say that you you said uh, Leland brought someone else on, and do you think that was absolutely basically just having that eye you know from that from that perspective you think that's like one of the biggest solutions well also Hasi is in a university setting whereas Leland is in New York Hasi is in New England I think she's not in DC she's near DC so I think actually she might be Maryland I forget like she's Virginia Maryland like Mm -hmm. one of those like so probably not New England but that's also a le- another level of access when mm. you're in the education field, when you know you're someone who probably does more conferences and stuff like that. You you have you're actually traveling, whereas uh, I don't know that Leland has as much time mm-hmm. to do scouting. Yeah, and that's a big thing too, right? Because even big publishers use scouts. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine, Nana Bruhaman, who's at, also in the anthology. I swear, I'm not name dropping for the anthology specifically. No, I love it's it. Just Get like, the anthology, read it. Everyday into people. The conversation. Yeah. What's the Do name it. again? Everyday people. people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she has been doing scouting for other people, and she's a Ghanaian American author. And so they're like, well, who do you know? Do you mm. know the African writers? And she tends to go to a lot of conferences. Is she in like, Africa. is she uh, first generation? Do you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but she lived in Ghana for a long. Oh, bit, she did. But she's, okay. you know, like American nice. citizens. So I think she might have dual citizenship. Mm-hmm. But you know, because of that reach, because she knows a lot of the African authors, mm. it's like, well, ooh, who do you know? And we'll pay you, and you know, so if you mm. can afford to get that, or have someone volunteer their time, yeah. or something like that. That can really, really help. But I think it's that foresight because like we were talking about offline, you know, in doing some judging for contests, and I've noticed this for more than one contest, unless it was specifically, and I tweeted about this yesterday, unless it was specifically for POCs, not a lot of POCs submit Mm. for these contests. Mm -hmm. And I've... In some cases, they're blind. In some cases, they're not. But, you know, I can kind of tell from the writing... You know mm-hmm. how they're writing about places that I'm like, I don't think you're, you've been to Uganda. Mm-hmm. Don't think it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're just talking about huts. Pretty sure they're not huts. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, well, how do you get that out? You can't just keep tweeting. Mm-hmm. If the if they're not following you already, you tweeting it is not helping. It's just mm-hmm. yeah, there's no one there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an empty room. And so you asking like POC channels to tweet. Tweet Twitter is such a fast mechanism. Mm-hmm. If you miss it. If you're not on from 8 to 10 uh-huh. or whatever, and it was tweeted at 9, are yeah. you going to see it? Yeah. Potentially not. Right. You know, again, it's like the assumption of the more we get people to share it, it'll be heard. And that's, again, in theory, accurate. But how are they doing it? Are they doing mm-hmm. it via emails? Are they just posting on social media? Posting on social media is not enough. Mm-hmm. How are we actually getting to people? Poets, uh, no, not poets and writers, Publishers Weekly actually puts out calls to publishers and says, hey, we're doing this feature on Westerns. Do you have any books that might fit this feature? And they will send it straight to the contacts they have at a publisher. And then they'll get all these responses like, absolutely, we have this coming out in 2019 and da 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 Again, that's an entity that has that access, but also that time to do that. Are book contests doing that? Yeah. Are indie publishers doing that? Are they going to, you know, the HBCUs? Are they going mm-hmm. to all the MFA programs? Are they going to the creative writing summer conferences? Are they going to the Cambilios or the, the Jack Jones retreats? And da-da-da-da and say, hey, I have this. Can you email it to your people? Yeah. Not just tag you on Twitter. Can you share this on Twitter? And I'll yeah. do it like what, once, maybe twice if I remember. Mm-hmm. Can you put it in your newsletter? Can you email it to people? Yeah, the newsletters. Can you connect me with people? Will you be on my board? If I have a board, is it not kind of like this superfluous board that just is named? So you just, oh, look at the names Mm -hmm. on our board. Are they actually helping you connect with these people? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's for grants. Uh A lot of time that's for grants. It's like, see, we have, you know, Roxanne Gay on our board. Uh And, Uh you know, you get a grant. Maybe. I don't know. So it's it's so much more work, and that's the thing I think people think. It can really just be this easy. And that's the whole issue that I saw in 
working in publishing and we need diverse books with everyone thought okay now we have this thing we have we need diverse books so we need diverse books gives us our approval and if we need diverse books talks about our books we're good and that Mm. wasn't it's like no 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 we actually need you to change the system yeah 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 not gonna do that can you you know but we hired more interns cool but we need you to change the system right okay we got more interns (laughs) no cool well we need you to change the system okay, uh, we're going to have a pizza party for the interns. <laughs> you know, oh, my like, God. No, you need to change the system. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And, and what you're saying is, is really tough because, no, you're absolutely right. I think scouting is so important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, someone that we're trying to bring on now, and I'll just say it, Annie, Annie Krabenschmidt, um, she writes essays about what you know coming to realize that she was gay and like all that st- and like mm-hmm, how hard mm-hmm, it was for her mm-hmm. and how funny it is in retrospect yeah, in, some, in some turns yeah. and twists but yeah i mean she came and read it and i was like i'm going to talk to you after we're yeah, done yeah, you know yeah. like yeah. Um, i think that's more of what we're really trying to do i yeah, feel like yeah. gray wolf does a really good job at it i don't know yeah. how you feel but i've been some of their books that have been coming out from african writers it's really amazing there's like this experimental wave coming out of some certain african countries that's Mm-hmm. that I'm like in love with and that's something I would really love to find yeah, yeah. but yeah. if you look at Grey Wolf a lot of their staff is not POC really it's yeah still, I mean they're doing better in terms of if you look at their roster mm-hmm. you'd be kind of shocked by that right mm-hmm. right you're like wait you have Esme you have Wyatu, mm-hmm. you have Jamel you have Carmen you have like Percival Everett like you have all you have mm-hmm. so many POCs and yet on staff mm-hmm and they're great. I love yeah. their books. I pimp their yeah. books all the time. So they're doing a good job of picking, but absolutely not, and letting not them stay to their that. voice because all the authors I heard that have worked with them have loved them. Yeah, they didn't feel pigeonholed. They didn't feel like we're reading. Such she a would be king, and with my ninth, oh, with my ninth graders, is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So my kids. I don't know if you've read it, but yes. my they they are making their own Bessas right now, their own oh version my of Bessas. Gosh, she'll and so love they have like hearing that. Yeah, I've been tagging her all. Yes. <laughs> They've been like drawn Bessa with like red afros and stuff. It was pretty cute. They should have done it on Instagram because she's yep. very much on Instagram, yep. not as much on mm-hmm. Twitter. Okay. Yeah. We saw at KGB. I'm I'm gonna do my best to like remember things here. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember that first reader who was writing this? Uh, it was a. Oh my god! I almost want to get on Facebook to figure this out. <laughs> someone, someone affiliated with Mason Jar. Okay. Oh. Yeah, Justin was, Sanders. Justin Sanders. He was he's writing this like historical fiction, but it's like mm-hmm. contemporary, you know, uh-huh. and it's about like police brutality and stuff oh, like that. Okay. And I, I heard him read at KGB and I was trying to do that thing where I was coming up to him. I was like, when, like, when you're done this, like uh-huh. it was like I thought it was amazing and it had so much energy. And it was prose. It was it was prose. prose yeah. yeah, it's it's I would assume I would call it it's like like in cold blood, you know, how that's like oh, fiction, you know, that kind yeah, of deal. Yeah. But it's like about police. There was, you know, he read this scene about these like these white cops who had like swastikas on them or something. Like I don't know, they mm. they're like Confederate something, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. some sort of racist thing going on. Yeah, and like yeah. he wrote about one of these like beatings and like you know police mm-hmm. brutality murders. It was really great, and I went up to him, and and like I was just like you know let me know when you're done. He was just like yeah 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 like you know, <laughs> and it's, it's just so hard because you got to catch someone right when they're like ready yeah. to ready to have something finished but yeah, yeah. i'm gonna be on him for yeah. sure 
for yeah. sure. I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to stalk. <laughs> it's been like it's been like four months, but I'm gonna check up on him. Like oh, that's nice. I think that's a nice yeah. time frame. Also, because yeah. we want to make sure that like we're not pressuring people mm-hmm, that we're mm-hmm. talking to. You mm-hmm. know, we don't want to like we don't want to be like, hey, like, are you done yet? Like, yeah. this is when you know whatever. I don't know because he's he also or whomever might just be like, well, let me see what you've done. Mm-hmm. Just like with the podcast, yeah, right? Like, let totally. me see what you've done first mm-hmm. to see yeah. before I say yes or no. Yeah, and that's just some people. Just, but that's true. That's, that's true. I mean, frankly, that's why we're using our own books first, is because like any, well, one, any mistakes we make, we want to make sure we mess up on our own stuff and not mm-hmm. somebody else's. Mm-hmm. But that's also, all to, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's all learning. Yeah. I mean, publishers don't know everything either. They make mistakes yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. They just have more money to make the mistakes. That's the difference. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> like, they have way more money to do it. Yeah. Well, what about your writing? Are you going to read something for us? Oh, sure. Yeah, let's do that. I will read something incredibly short. I always feel like okay. when we bring lit people on to talk about, especially people who are like editors or running their own you know, publishing houses and uh-huh. stuff. We spend so, like, like Kate's and I were talking about how we spent so oh, much yeah. time talking about Pin America and we're going to have her back on as her artist self oh my soon. God. Hearing her read yeah. is an experience. Uh-huh. We're going to do that in the next couple of weeks with the person who runs the operating system, Ile. Anyway, they run the operating system. So they're both going to come be on the show. And oh my God. I can't wait um, to hear. hear yeah. Her. I haven't heard her poetry in so long. What are you reading? I am going to read a short scene from a short story that has been going on forever. So not one of the hashtag 45 scenes, 45 <laughs> no. days. Is this something? I might have worked on this on hashtag 60 scenes. 60 okay. Days. Is this another in progress or is this something that you've already put up? Or I thought it was done and then I realized I, I get hit with things in the shower. I get, and I'm just like. I get that feeling all the time. Oh, this is how you fix it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's Your, why yours is the shower. No. <laughs> Mine's generally when I'm just anywhere else but in front of a computer. <laughs> it's on a bike too. When I when I walk or when I'm biking. Yeah. It's yeah. Oh my that's why God. I, no, that's why I really do preach patience with writers. That's like the yeah. first thing I say is because yeah. like the longer you work on something, I'm not saying it's always necessary, but generally you're going to find things that like, you know. Absolutely. And yeah. not even in the workshop. You know, you yeah. can get hit yeah. with all this really good yeah. Yeah. information of how people are reacting and feeling. Yep. And you're like, yeah, cool. Great. Okay. I'm going to process that. And then three months later... Oh, it's none of that. Yeah. I figured yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times for me is I'll be talking to someone. Like I'll be like talking at Katie about uh-huh. like, oh yeah, this is the part I'm writing and it's about this. And then in the middle of the sentence, I'll be like, no, that's fucked up. Like <laughs> this needs to be changed. Like, you know. It felt so good. Yeah, it felt, it felt right. Yeah. It's like once I once I encoded it into English, like from my head, it's like, yeah. no, that doesn't work. <laughs> that happened to me too. Sometimes I'm dreaming and I said, oh, a lyric essay that's beautiful uh-huh. and then i wrote it and i said this is really bad <laughs> <laughs> this sounded so much better at 5 a.m yeah. when i didn't want to leave the covers because it was super warm i had to go to the bathroom but i didn't do you ever write any kind of poetry or anything i wrote poetry in high school because i was a big dickinson fan mm-hmm. mm, so i wrote a lot of angsty yeah. dickinson-esque stuff about my period mm, beautiful so bad <laughs> very metaphorical don't worry you symbolic. don't have to share that tonight it's fine <laughs> i still have it i think it's just to say oh well in that case grown. in that case grown, Jen. see you're talking about coke bottles and you know aspirins and cramps <laughs> you've grown 
have grown in the 20, 20 or so years since I was an Emily Dickinson file. We'll, 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 we'll do a separate episode. On well, that. wait. So before you read, you read, when was the last time you read it? That was like a year ago. I think ago. it was before the anthology came out. Yeah. It was, yeah. So that was like a year ago, right? It was more than a year ago. Oh, it was more at this point. It was definitely more than a year ago. Yeah. It was, yeah. Wow, what, was was it warm out? I think it was warm out. Was I it? don't remember that, but I just know, I know it was more than a year I ago. I think it was yeah. warm out because my best friend was back in the States and he teaches overseas. And he didn't come last season, summer. He came the summer before that. Okay, wow. So it was so almost two years. It was wow. almost two years. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. It was soon after I run the Niska Nifa. So maybe yeah. like August, September 2017, something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm excited to hear again. It's been a minute. Yeah. This is something completely different. Are we ready? Yeah. Yes. All right. It was hard to say how it started. Maybe it was when she came home, arms full of supplies, for some reason, and she knew why deep down there were always necessities, things as basic as butter or soap. Yeah, the rent was paid more often than not, yet she found herself stocking up regularly to keep them both fed, clean, and asses properly wiped. She entered their apartment to him and his friends spread out and around the living room like a broke-down cool in the gang. The same group she'd learned to laugh with and cuddled with Russell in front of. Russell and company had arms dangling off the sides of the sofa or limbs folded and stretched around the living room, end tables pushed aside for bodies to lay about, a kind of smoky astringent in the air. Maybe it was when she harumphed. Could have been the slamming of doors and cabinets to reveal her displeasure at everyone lounging, eyes glazed over, slouching with heads drooping every which way while she unpacked after a day with fourth graders. She simply wanted clean air and quiet. Could have been her reply of get it yourself when Russell said, baby, get me a soda, and the underlying ooze heard amidst his people when she stormed off to the bedroom. Perhaps it was the glance at the marble end table, a barrier along with the men splayed out on the floor where she spotted dust, remnants reminding her of wiping flour from her mother's countertop. Might have been a good idea for her to pay attention when one of his friends said Scarsdale in that playful yet mocking tone with, man, what you know about being black, you just look it, and light-skinned nigger with his light-skinned female before someone else chimed in that light-skinned and nigger didn't belong in the same sentence, which resulted in cackles morphing to coughs. All this was followed up with a crack of something and of the fuck is wrong with you prior to the trample of bodies and the slam of a door. It may have been any of those things that led to Russell coming into the bedroom and pushing her hard. Her back was to him, so she thought it playful at first when her side got jabbed by the corner of a dresser, like he didn't realize his strength until she turned around, saw his face, and the smack happened. Holding a throbbing cheek, she cried, Negro, you crazy? Before smacking him in the face. Are you crazy? He responded, gyrating his jaw to ensure plasticity. Russell pressed his arm, ready to launch. The signs were there. The eyes, the lips, the rage. And they went at it. Don't think she didn't go for the goods. He got hip to it, locking his knees as he twisted his lower half, going on to shove her into walls, onto the bed, against open drawers, leaving nicks. She had forced two when she landed blows, chipping at every bit of him she could access. Bruised afterwards, the tears started up. 
They woke up to knots on foreheads, not just puffy cheeks, but puffy eyes from lack of sleep. He rolled on top of her, spouting love, pomp, and circumstance, and then he was in her. That was the apology. She moaned and he was gentle again. They swore this was it. That was the lie. Oof. Brutal. Also, the police siren went off. I know. How applicable is that? Yeah, I like it. Katie hates it usually, but I love it. Uh, It worked. I mean, yeah. yeah. It was like a sound effect. and yeah. Yeah. I hate it personally, too. Oh, okay. During, yeah, when, when during my podcast. Yeah. When it's like, I, so let's talk about the publicity. You're like, woo! Uh, woo. You're yeah. like, God damn it. I, I just love it. <laughs> it's like that New York vibe, you know? Yeah. I just love the, the, the ambient And this noise. took place in New York, so yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. The story takes place in New York? Mm-hmm. Where? Is it, wait, is it nonfiction or fiction? Fiction. Yeah. Okay. Fiction. She's nameless in the story. So. Ooh. Yes. I like that when people do that. Like have, like call characters by, you know, like the girl or something like that, or just like yeah. don't have a name, you know. Yeah, it's I, hard as hell to write. Though. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. There's something about like leaving it up to the reader and like yeah. having them take ownership of it that yeah, I really like. Yeah, I figured if what's her face who did like what is it bringing it the bodies or whatever. Oh yeah. Hillary Mantel. Uh-huh. Oh, I've read. I read where they're all like Thomas or Henry, uh-huh. like they're eighteen yeah. Sam. Well, that, it's historical like fiction, that. so like yeah. yeah, it's all those English motherfuckers. Yeah, you know? like, and, and she doesn't <laughs> Thomas so Cromwell just, exactly, and then she doesn't keep saying Thomas Cromwell. Like, yeah, she just yeah. says Thomas, Thomas, so you just yeah. have to figure out after yeah. a moment, like. Okay, it's that Tom. Have you ever read those books? I read the first one. Did you like it? Yeah, I I did. Loved it. It was so good. Honestly, oh, is that what this is inspired by? Yeah, that inspired me. To me, like Hilary Mantel is like the Scorsese of like historical fiction. Like Tom, (laughs) like like bringing up endorsement. What is it? Bring up the bodies or bringing up the bodies? It's bringing up the bodies. Bringing up the bodies. Oh, y'all have it? No, seriously, it's like it's like a gangster movie. It's it's insane. Like I was like, this is also Goodfellas. It says like very Goodfellas esque. Yeah, all the political stuff going on. Yeah, like how actually the bodies do start piling. Yeah, dude, it's fucking wild. It was such a good book. But so that influenced this story. Yeah, because I felt like if she can do that with 18 Thomases yeah. and four Henrys and all that stuff, I'm I, like, I can do it with she. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. initially, my workshop, uh, or really my critique partners, they said, this is very confusing. Mm-hmm. And I said, I will do this. I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to make it work. Yeah. And it's it's solidified to the point where I took it to Tin House last week, last year, and they said, no, this works. You just have to kind of not do tongue-in-cheek. Mm. I see. Like, because I capitalized she throughout when uh, I met her. I see. And she said, don't do that. Okay. She's like, it's distracting. Interesting. And yeah. I say, you're right. It's like, we know. We get it. Like, well, it's also, yeah. it's also a lazy device, right? Because it makes you not work as harder because you're like, see, it's the capital she. Uh-huh. You don't, you know. Uh-huh, yeah. And I was like, no, you actually have to work uh-huh. for this. So if you mean, so it has to be her mother or her sister or she, or if there are two women in a scene. Yeah use someone's name or if you're going to use a pronoun make sure the pronoun mm-hmm. is attributed to the right person and that it's not confusing for the reader yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so that's just an added level of detail when you're kind of stripping someone of their name mm-hmm. and so it's it's interesting yeah one of my uh one of my favorite devices is when people are doing something and you know what's going to happen mm by the way the scene is unfolding mm-hmm. is like, that a good thing I, I i really like it okay like i wish i could articulate better why 
Because it can be done poorly, of course. But when like, it's, it's understood, but it's not overtly obvious. Yeah, like it's like invested. it's like you're you're making the reader know on a on a level that like barely crosses the threshold of like the subconscious. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I know there's gonna be an abusive situation here, mm-hmm. but like or like something like a violent situation, mm-hmm. you know? Because mm-hmm. she's about to, you know, it's a woman coming in who's very upset like rightfully so and like just by the way like the masculinity in the room i don't know it's like i got like i got it somehow yeah you know and like you did you did a good job of making me get it without but like i still don't know yet so then the tensions there is like i'm like i'm racing towards this point you know what i mean yeah so yeah yeah, i think that's really cool it's also a good craft discussion too because when i was in boston at muse in the marketplace i was talking about revision and I was asking, are you writing to something or writing through something? Uh-huh. And Amy Bender brought up something good at a talk. That's an interesting question. Yeah. It is, right? Because Amy question. Bender was saying, what are we waiting for? Mm-hmm. At that starting point, right? What are we waiting for? Right. Are you right. working? Are you as writer coming in like, I'm going to write about a car accident, uh-huh. but let's get to the car accident. Yeah. Or does the car accident happen and then it's about all the repercussions mm-hmm. of the car accident? Mm-hmm. Do we need to be led into the car accident and why is it? What is the reasoning mm-hmm. for yeah. what you're leading to or what you're writing? Or some through? people will do the thing where it's like, oh, you know, the murder happens. You know that already. Like it's already Absolutely. said. And then you go to go towards that point. I think that's really that. That's another one of those yeah. things where it's like it could really work. It can. It could really can. not. You know. Because we have epic novels that you're like, okay, something's gonna happen on yeah. page six hundred, but I gotta wade through five hundred and eighty-five uh-huh. pages of a lot of stuff. In which case, the book better <laughs> not be about that because like it better be yeah. about something else, or else yeah. like what am I doing here? You know. Yeah. So unless yeah. it's like you know your airport thriller. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a it's a, just a question. It's like, are you writing to something or through something? Yeah, think about that. But where did that take place in uh, in New York? I'm curious. Did you have an idea? Uniondale, Long mm. Island, or really Hempstead. Uniondale is a part of Hempstead. Interesting. Hempstead, Long Island, where I was, I grew up. Okay. For a few years, yeah. It's loosely based on my parents, and I say I emphasize the loosely because. I don't know that that happened, mm. that mm. moment happened, but they there was an abusive relationship. Mm. They both opened up to me about that in my teens. Both of them did. Yeah, very that different is, ways. That is interesting. Yeah, I can uh, imagine. Very different ways. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine there being two stories. <laughs> and, well, my and, father just said it was my fault. The reason your mother and I aren't together is my fault. He didn't say why. Yeah, he didn't go He just said it was my fault. And my mother was the one who told me why. While we were going shopping, we were going to the supermarket and just tells me. My mom does this all the time. She just like blurts out some random stuff like, oh, I'm on menopause. And you're like, what? (laughs) We're watching Game of Thrones. How does this (laughs) applicable? <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> I don't know women over like, 50 there's a lot of beheading know. right now I don't understand I don't know how this came up out of nowhere <laughs> but okay <laughs> here we are wow she has stories my mom's a very good storyteller <laughs> We so appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Oh, Definitely. thank you for having me. It's been me. fun. Thank yeah. you all and Rosie. Yeah, who's, who's been pretty wa- chill. She, she's she waiting need, for her chicken. She needs dinner, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's been a little... They're like, we're getting a business plan, Rosie. Chill out. <laughs> <laughs> chill out. Go check out... We said it already, but go check out Minorities in Publishing and by Everyday People and... 
see Jen's awesome website and submit to me at Electric Literature. Yeah, if you have fiction. Definitely. And I and I told you guys that we were gonna call you Jen by the you know throughout this episode. Oh. Jennifer. Yeah. Jennifer. Now it seems so stilted. Yeah. Oh, well. It really doesn't matter. (laughs) But I appreciate that people are so concerned, like when they said it with J E N, and then they're like, I meant two N's, two N's. I'm like, it sounds the same. (laughs) (laughs) They want to hold the end. More beat. Okay, that's it for today's episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review on whichever platform you're listening. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Animal Riot Press or Facebook and Instagram at the same name or through our website, AnimalRiotPress.com. This has been the 17th episode of the Animal Riot Podcast with your host, Brian Birnbaum, and featuring Jen Baker. Transcripts for our deaf and hard of hearing animals are provided by Jonathan Kay, and we are produced by me, Katie Rainey. See you later, you filthy animals. Belly.